From Given, this is Purposing, the podcast that lifts the lid on how to run a truly purpose-driven business. I'm Becky Willen, and with the help of leaders at some of the world's most recognized brands, I'll be demystifying this often misunderstood topic into clear, actionable advice you can use in your own business. Today, I'm joined by Shah Love, Global Director of Advocacy at Natura Co., one of the original purpose-driven beauty brands and parent company to The Body Shop. This conversation is all about why advocacy is an essential ingredient of purpose-driven business. And through it, you'll hear how to define the role of your business in creating system change, collaborate to drive real impact, and make your people part of the change. Before I speak with Shah, let's take a look back at her career to find out how an early love of nature and the outdoors inspired her to pursue a career in making business work better for the planet. Shah's childhood was defined by three simple yet powerful words. My dad was a very early climate activist in Canada. Very proud of him because he was on the team that came up with Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. That was part of how we were raised, was with this idea of those three R's. Her upbringing in Toronto also gave her access to the beautiful Canadian wilderness. I can sort of feel the pine needles under my bare feet. She felt at peace when she was outside enjoying nature, but inside the classroom was a different story. At school, she lacked confidence in her abilities, but this changed when a teacher recommended she attend a contemporary art class at a gallery in Ontario. One of the first classes there, they showed us a Rauschenberg painting. He was an abstract artist and pioneer of the pop art movement. One of the the teachers was like, okay, so what do you think of this painting? And we're all kind of looking around at each other. We're like, what? Like, I don't don't know. And then she said something that I can still hear her voice. And she goes, there's no wrong answer. So whatever you think is okay, because it's your own experience. This gave Shah the courage to think critically without fear of making mistakes. She carried this mindset into business school, where her eyes were open to the real world impact she could have. And just a year after graduating, she co-founded the think tank, Volans. One of the really interesting milestones on the journey of being the CEO of Volans was we certified as a B Corp. And I remember that experience just being so amazing. And I was like, wow. So there's this way of really showing that we are a purposeful business. And uh, I got so excited about it. This inspired her to launch and co-found B-Lab UK. Their mission? To mobilize businesses across the UK to certify as B Corps. And then in 2022, Shah decided it was time for a new challenge, taking on the role of Global Director of Advocacy at Natura & Co, whose brands include Avon and The Body Shop. It was such an irresistible opportunity to work with a company that had this deep purpose, these origin stories, and this governance to really explore a new and aligned way to drive that sort of systems level change. So, Shah, welcome to the show. Some people listening may not know who Nutura & Co are, even though I'm sure they'll know your brand. So can you tell us a bit more about the business? Nutura & Co is um, a holding company. And within the family of Nutura & Co, we have a series of brands. And as you said, some people may not have heard of Nutura & Co, but I, I, I would imagine many of your listeners have heard of companies like The Body Shop, Avon, and uh, Natura, actually, in fact, is our sort of a mother brand, which is a Brazilian beauty company. 
And I'll also mention ESOP. So ESOP has been and is still a member of our family, but we've actually also um, recently agreed with L'Oreal to say goodbye to ESOP and that deal will probably close later on this year. Great. So I think one of the amazing things about Nutria Co that some people may not know, even if they know this about your brands, is that you're really one of the original purpose-driven businesses. So what is the Nutria Co purpose? And really importantly, what are some of the things that the business has done differently as a result of that? The, the sort of statement that we sort of are all moved by as members of the Nutria Co team is, you know, our purpose is to nurture beauty and relationships for a better way of living and doing business. And along with our purpose, we have sort of our aspiration, which is sort of our vision and our ambition, which is to dare to innovate, to promote positive economic, social, and environmental impact and become the best beauty company for the world. And that for the world is, I think, what makes us a little special and different. It's not we want to be the best in the world. We want to best be the best for the world. You know, for us in terms of the acronym of ESG that a lot of people talk about, I actually like to suggest maybe actually the ordering of those letters could be slightly evolved because I think governance is super important. So a key thing to know about Natur & Co is that we are a B Corp. And by being a B Corp, we meet a you know, very high threshold in terms of how we perform. And we also have hardwired it into our legal articles. So actually in our bylaw, we actually have it really clearly stated that the purpose of our business and sort of some of the objectives are to really consider both shareholders and stakeholders across short and sort of long-term horizons. So I completely agree with you that governance is is so important. Tell me about some of the other areas where Nature & Co is really doing things differently to deliver on that purpose. What we have is our commitment to life. And within our commitment to life, we have three very clear uh, pillars. Each of them have targets. The pillars are address the climate crisis and protect the Amazon. We have a pillar about defending human rights and being humankind. And we have a pillar about embracing uh, circularity and regeneration. So again, those, we have the governance, which is our bylaws, which is sort of where our B Corp articles come up. And then we have really clear targets across sort of the whole group of businesses that are focused on the E and the S. You know, I've taken on this role as local director of advocacy. And that in itself, I think is kind of interesting, right? Because Advocacy in itself is an interesting role. I think it's a growing area that companies are engaging in. And the best way to think about advocacy is that it is, you know, if we have our very clear things that we're doing within our business that are focused on sustainability and we have that governance infrastructure, you know, in some ways, advocacy is about the ways in which we're looking at changing the rules of the game, recognizing we all need to move faster, aim higher and dig deeper. And yes, there's the things that we do in our own business, but also it's about how do we think about the rules of the game, the, the policies, the regulation that's out there, but also the culture changes that are needed. And as a consumer-facing brand, set of series of brands, we do have this amazing ability to be connected with people. And we know that culture and culture change is going to be really important. So I'd say those are sort of the three things that are really important to, I think, you know, help us live our purpose. Brilliant. And I think there's a lot of nervousness among business leaders who I think historically have said that brands like should really stay away from uh, politics from complicated issues. So how, what would you say to leaders um, who aren't convinced that advocacy should be an important part of what it means to be a purpose-driven brand or business? Yeah, well, I think it does come back to this idea of where we are at in the world right now, which is a place where we are seeing 
a growing levels of injustice. We are seeing a climate and nature emergency that is not on the right track, let's be honest. So we know that there are these significant massive challenges that we're facing and that there is a really critical role for people in business to use their power uh, to address it. Now, I think what we've seen is a lot of people focusing on, again, what we can do as our own businesses. And that is really important, really, really important to what we do to be able to walk the talk. Um, And we also know that even if our business does the best we can, um, we still are seeing the challenges out in the world. So if we're really meaningfully going to engage in the kind of change that we need to do in order to to turn the curve on some of these really um, challenging trend lines, then we do need to be finding ways to not just doing what we can within our own business, but actively engaging um, in some of these wider systems issues. So it is really about identifying the things that we can meaningfully and authentically take a stand on. So I, I do think it is it is um, a charged time in this world. And we we know that some of the things that are going to have to be addressed will be uncomfortable. But if we want to really be there and, and living our purpose, it, it really does need to be, yes, about what we do in our own business, but also how we're engaging um, externally on some, some of those more systemic dimensions. Yeah, no, I think you've made a really powerful case and also painted a picture, I guess, of some of the things that are really important in creating an effective advocacy strategy. So let's focus in on what are the big system changes that you're trying to bring about and what does that really look like in practice? Oh, I'm so excited for this this question because we've been working really hard on this. So I'm so grateful because I'd love to just spend a few minutes reflecting on what what I'm kind of calling our Thunderbirds Go strategy. (laughs) Um, And uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Thunderbirds, there was sort of a countdown. They'd be five, four, three, two, one, like Thunderbirds Go. So we have sort of a five layer process. It really is about number one, being authentic. And we've talked about this already. Like we have to make sure the things that we are doing are authentic to what our business is where we've come from, and, and also we can meaningfully defend why we think these things are important. So being authentic. Number two is being ambitious. So we also spoke about the level of challenge we're facing in this world, which means we need to step up the level of ambition we have in terms of what we do. So that guides our advocacy. We also have the third A in the five A's is, is agency, because it is really about recognizing we have to inspire desire in the people within our organization to understand what are the issues that they care about and how do we help them take action on those areas. The fourth A is activism, um, which can be a little controversial, but actually I think we all can agree that there is a need to have many different voices around the table when it comes to thinking about uh, some of the changes. And, And so I think some of the unusual suspects and sometimes those that are a little bit more challenging, like the activists, um, are, are really important to, to be in the conversation with and, and to listen to. The last A is allyship, because I think we really recognize this idea we need to be in collaboration, in consortias, in communities. But actually, allyship takes sort of its roots from the social justice movements, because we also have an amazing amount of privilege and access to platforms. And we always need to be thinking about ways in which we make sure the voices of those who are not currently necessarily accessing those platforms have an ability to do so. We have four sort of components for our strategy. One of them is around process. And so it is about really understanding how do we work with the brands and how do we identify ways of of really connecting with each other and supporting one another on the different advocacy platforms. We also have partnerships. So how we manage our representation, share information about the different networks and, and partners that we have. Then we have internal advocacy, which is key. So again, this is about linking to that agency part. How do we help take people on the journey? And then we have, you know, 
external advocacy, which is sort of more the traditional advocacy space. So where are we showing up in, in, in the moments that matter and how are we using our influence? Um, there's three things that we then are taking a stand on. So five, four, three. Three is really focused on the climate and nature nexus. We think that that's a really important place where we are taking a stand. We also take a stand on inclusion and allyship. And that really includes things like social impact and uh, gender equity and making sure the voices of people who aren't necessarily in the conversation are, are heard as loudly as possible. And then lastly, it's about the future of the beauty industry, because, again, that links back to our purpose. Shah, you've painted such a brilliant picture, I guess, of the sort of the theory behind advocacy at Nature & Co. What does that really look like in practice? We work across our teams um, within sort of the holding company, but also we have regular connections with our brands and to understand what they're working on so that we can build things with them. But also really importantly, it's about the joining forces with others and being in partnerships that we think are in the same spirit of what those things we want to take a stand are are focused on. So again, we're connected in with the B Corp movement. We're connected in with UN Global Compact. We have relationships with the UN Women, the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. And those are sort of some of those like industry business networks. We also have a whole group of organizations we partner with, which are focused in the beauty industry. So one of the ones I, I spend a lot of time on is Eco Beauty Score Consortium, which is like great because it's a group of beauty companies that have come together in a sort of pre-competitive, but always following the rules of antitrust, not but, and, and, and being on the right side of clearly the antitrust law. But like, how do we come together and recognize there's a need for us to have a comparable science-based um, way for consumers to be able to understand the environmental impact of different products? So, so again, partnership is a really key part of our advocacy strategy because we are rooted in the sense of we can't do things alone. We, we must be working with others. And then, as I said, the other kind of elements of it are a kind of mixture of really um, aligning and, and inspiring and exciting our people within the business around these areas. Because we know we've got a small little advocacy team and we can do what we can. But actually, the real power comes when every single person in the business feels that they are extended members of that advocacy team. Um, and whether it's in the decisions they make in their own work or like the conversations they have with friends and family. Like that's how the culture change happens. So we really spend a lot of time really working on ways in which we can, yeah, inspire a desire to take action from, from the people across, across the building company and in the business. And then again, it's the showing up in the moments that matter. So, you know, we have our delegations that attend some of the big events, whether it's New York Climate Week or, you know, I was really excited to be with our, our colleagues from Natura from Brazil at COP15, which was a really remarkable moment where businesses together showed up to really say, we want an ambitious global biodiversity framework. So looking ahead for the year, you know, I know we're certainly gearing up for, for COP28. We know that that's going to be a really important moment. But yeah, those are sort of four of the things that I think are really important to, to know about in terms of how we, how do we think about what advocacy looks like in practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one of the things that I was keen to understand is, as you were explaining that was to what extent are you working towards really kind of clear and specific policy or kind of culture outcomes versus trying to create more of a shift across the system or of a kind of mindset shift? And, and, and I guess the reason that I feel that there might be a difference between the kind of holding company and the brands is that you have many brands who might want to take slightly different positions around those bigger kind of topics that you're looking at. So just keen to understand, I guess, how you're getting that balance. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good question. And 
And I would just sort of acknowledge something you've already said. Like each of our brands have things that they're taking a stand on mm. and that are uniquely aligned to what the brand, the unique brand purpose is, yeah. as well as sort of the market in which those brands operate in, right? So like take, for example, the body shop, you know, they're doing an incredible campaign right now called Be Seen, Be Heard, which is all about amplifying the voices of young people in public life and really advocating for things like lowering the voting age in some regions or enabling the conditions where um, young people can run for office. You know, the body shop has an incredible activism team like driving that stuff. And so what we want to do is like champion it. And, and then what we at Holding Company are doing is, is obviously looking at the things that sort of unite us all. And, and so, for example, with the Better Business Act, which is a campaign that's being run by B-Lab UK to try and focus on amending Section 172 of the Company Act. And of course, we have the Interdependence Coalition in the European Union, which is sort of got a similar thing focused on stakeholder governance. We've come in and backed those two campaigns as Natur and Co. I should say the Body Shop is also sort of backing the Better Business Act. So it's kind of, you're right, uh, uh, we are totally supporting and excited by all the exciting, amazing things that the brands are doing that are, are sort of the areas the brands are focused on. Like they have their things that they want to do. And what we're trying to do an advocacy at the holding company level is, is look at ways in which we can amplify those things as well as uh, identify some of the, the campaigns or the things we can take a stand on that are, are things that we all kind of connect on and, and agree with and, and are aligned to. Brilliant. I think within the context of business and brand specifically, is there a difference between advocacy and activism? And if there is, sort of where do you draw the line? Because, you know, you've talked about the body shops, activism, but um, as part of a kind of wider advocacy strategy. So is there a line, I guess, where do you draw it? And do we need more activism as well as more advocacy from brands? I do think it's probably important to, to define those two words because in some ways they're both tactics that are the how of, of that purpose that you would have, right? And, and I think, you know, it was is interesting. Before coming to Natur & Co., I had this role at B-Lab UK as their activist in residence. And so I, I, I sort of lean on quite a few of the learnings and lessons I had in that process of spending a year talking to businesses that were engaging in activism and, and the leaders of many of these, mm. these social movements. And it was actually the leader of one of the movements that gave me the clearest definition of activist, which is not what you find in the dictionary, um, but it really resonated with me. And what she said is that an activist is someone who like sees their edge, really, and like the edge of, of where they, they, they feel they can go. And they, they're willing to walk up to that edge, like go right, right to the edge and then see it, and then be willing to go beyond it. The reason why I love that definition is because it speaks to the courage we all need to have to stretch further, but it also reflects the relativity of what it means to go to that edge, because we all will have different edges. Now, for the definition of advocacy, I think, as I've mentioned before, we really think of advocacy as being the ways in which we take a stand on the issues that mm -hmm. feel really important, mm -hmm. and how we join forces with others, and how we support people. So I think um, and as you remember, like activism is one of our principles of how we approach yeah. advocacy. And I don't think it's as simple as like one kind of sit under the other, because I think in many ways you can say the other way around. But I would say that I think activism is kind of a tool or a tact to fit advocacy. And, and I think that, again, along with being ambitious and authentic and focusing on agency and allyship, it's, it's part of how you get the the fuel to drive that sort of change that that you want to see happen on the things you're taking a stand on. 
I think we've um, explored the sort of the bigger picture of this, but I really want to get into the nuts and bolts of how this works at Natura & Co and how you're really collaborating to drive impact and create those positive changes in the system. And I think uh, you focused a lot of your advocacy work around the big sort of UN-led conferences for climate and nature. So, you know, COP26 in Glasgow, COP15 last year. What role can businesses like Natura & Co meaningfully play at these kind of events? And, and can you paint a bit of a picture of what, what that really looks like behind the scenes? Yeah. Well, again, I also say this comes down to partnerships and it comes down to being a part of a community. I think that's where advocacy can be its strongest is when you find those moments where you feel something very strongly that you want to take a stand on, but it doesn't become like the Natura and Co story. <laughs> it's the story of the issue that you want to take a stand on. And that's where I would say in places like, like COP15, I'll, I'll use as an example, is that was one that I was really involved in because what we did was we joined forces with our, our wonderful friends at Business for Nature um, who were mobilizing a very strong voice of the private sector and business um, at the COP15. And so one of the campaigns that they had in the lead up was called Make It Mandatory. And it was really just getting the connection between a bunch of businesses to say, we really think there needs to be an ambitious um, global biodiversity framework. So we backed it in advance. And, and then what we would do is have a group of us showed up at COP15 where advocacy in action took place. And again, it wasn't just about Natur and Co., it was Natur & Co. being in sort of community and in partnership with like a really amazing network. And so Business for Nature mobilized a bunch of us to sort of sign our names to say, we think this needs to be in the global biodiversity framework. And then when a group of us as business people arrived at COP15, you know, we spent a lot of time with the Business for Nature groups understanding like where were the events that we could speak at. Some of those were in advance. Um, where are some of the conversations we could have whilst there, again, with this idea of really showing that it was a view of a range of businesses that really wanted to, to see this happen. Clearly, those kind of partnerships with organizations like Business for Nature are a massively important part of your approach there. You know, partnerships is one of the P's in the overall strategy. So what have you learned about what makes a partnership really effective at driving impact and change? Yeah, I think it's great to see that within some of the partnerships we have, there's a real understanding of the dynamics, the language, and the culture that exists between business, government, um, movements, and, and sort of civil society and, and NGOs. And in a large part, that's because I think there's a sense that there's a lot of people that now are having career journeys that reflect some of those different um, sectors. So I myself, for example, this is the first time I've kind of worked within a big company. I've had most of my career being in entrepreneurship and small businesses, but also working at Oxford in sort of a more academic setting, um, but also working with the B Corp movement, sort of, which is an NGO. So I think there is a sense of one of the things that, that makes these partnerships work is that there is a almost sense of mutual understanding that yeah. comes because, again, coming back to the point we're making before, we're all people and we're all people moved by wanting to use what we have at, at our disposal to drive that sort of change. And so recognizing there's different languages, different cultures in, inside some of these organizations but because there is that sort of sense of recognition, we, I think, find ways of, of really understanding each other and then finding ways to move forward together. And uh, one of the things we've been talking about is that it's really people who create change within organizations. So 
What does it really look like to inspire and mobilize people as part of the advocacy work that you're doing? Some of the things that we are developing and experimenting with and having a ton of fun with are things like what we do now on a monthly basis is we have what we call an Ask Me Anything session. And it's where, you know, members of our team from across the business, so whether in their finance and legal teams or in accounting, they are invited to the session where it's really framed as you can ask these partners that we work with, like, anything about the work they do. And so that's been a really fun way for us to be able to show the really important work that our partners do and make sure it extends beyond sort of our advocacy and sustainability team so that people across the business can really understand, you know, for example, what it means for us to be partnering with an organization like She Changes Climate, where in, in this case, you know, that partnership was actually more that we were backing the campaigns that they had been running at COP27 really pushing for equal representation of women. And, and I think us to be able to show, you know, this is an organization that we, we felt really strongly about and we have backed uh, because it aligns to our, our things that we want to take a stand on in terms of, yes, the climate and nature nexus, but actually also inclusion and allyship. And giving like an opportunity for people from across the teams to be able to, you know, just ask any questions. And our hope is that by creating that sort of friendly, warm, there's no such thing as a silly question, you know, people can really then explore more deeply those issues and then, like, find the issues that really speak to them. And that's where then we also have a series of calls to action that we create that enable people to not just be sort of inspired, but also mm -hmm. feel that there is some support that they have on then what they can, they can do about it. And so what kind of change do you think might be possible if every business, I guess, was clear about its purpose and then was able to develop a really impactful advocacy strategy and effectively mobilize their people to be part of that. Yeah, well, it depends in some ways on the time horizon. So I try and like to be realistic about it. I, I, I think that's a beautiful dream. And I hope that that dream is going to be coming true where every business does have a purpose and that purpose is what drives it. Um, and when it comes to an impactful advocacy strategy, I think that that will sort of connect to the purpose. I think it is about what you do as a business and what you're focused on and the ways in which you're focused on enabling your people to be engaging in, in sort of those wider systems level change. So I hope that what we would see is a whole field of, you know, beautiful sunflowers that are businesses that are all enabling their people to, to grow towards that sun, like to grow towards um, the future that we want to see and and people are feeling like they are, um, you know, I, like they're fulfilling their own personal purpose as well as um, aligned with the purpose of the business. And if we can get that level of alignment, I think we will unlock the best ingenuity, innovation, creativity, confidence, courage to try things differently. And those trying, that trying of things to do things differently, like unlocking from the status quo think that's the movement that will get us into the spaces that are going to be needed when it comes to addressing these really like wicked, wicked problems that are facing our world. Oh, I love that vision of the future. So um, where might you point somebody who's interested in, in taking more of a positive role when it comes to this? I think, I think there's kind of two things I would probably point people to immediately. One is to really do a bit of self-reflection to understand like, what is your own approach to change making? Like, what style? And we've talked about activism a little bit, but one of the things to note is, you know, I think sometimes we all think of activists has got to be those people that are on the streets and, you know, with protest signs and in marches and stuff like that. And, and yeah, 
that is a form of activism. And so there's this great, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my colleagues at Body Shop because what they have is a really great sort of set of archetypes of different change makers that they've created um, that, you know, are, are, are based on, I think, a lot of sort of models that they've seen in their career, their, their long journey as, a, as an activist business. But yeah, there's the frontliners and there's the organizers and there's the quiet practitioners, you know, and the people that are really focused on engaging and teaching and sharing and being in conversation with others. So that would be my first step, which would be just to do some of that self-reflection to, to understand what kind of change maker are you? And by doing that, understand where your strengths are and where you're best placed to sort of to, to push that edge, but also who, who to work alongside and where are some of the places you can go for inspiration. And also something to watch out for um, in, in terms of some of the things that, that might, you might face as particular challenges based on what that change-making um, style is. And I will sort of say as well as the body shop, um, Force of Nature has a really great online, you know, five-question quiz. And that, again, was where they, they look at what the strengths are of those different change-making mm-hmm. styles and, and, and what the challenges are that you might face um, in, in your sort of particular archetype. So that's number one. I mean, and number two is just, like, get informed. Um, and figure out what that issue is that really makes your heart beat a little faster or it gives you that little pit feeling in your stomach, like the injustice that you feel like sometimes you think about before going to bed or think about when you wake up or think about, you know, during the day. Like just just be self-aware to know what are the things that are really moving you and then find ways to learn more about that issue. And in finding more out about that issue, clock the organizations that are doing work in that space and really importantly, find ways to um, in, learn more and engage more um, with those, those organizations because I think that will be the place where you then can go to find others that have a similar issue that they want to take a stand on. And ultimately, sometimes taking on these issues and being an, ad, an advocate, can, it can be really hard. And the thing that actually can make it easier is to be with others and find people who, again, can lift you up when you're feeling down, who you're excited about lifting up because you're all part of that same journey. So I think those are the things that I, I would really recommend. I, you know, know thyself and, and do that work to understand what change maker style best suits you. And then do the research to find out what is the issue who, and who you can partner with and work alongside. Shah, it's been such a pleasure having you on Purposing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. Thanks again to Shah. Such a fascinating conversation with loads of brilliant insights. So if you want to make advocacy an essential ingredient of running a purpose-driven business, here are a few things that I've taken from the conversation. Get clear about what great advocacy looks like in your business. Natura & Co have defined five really clear principles as about being ambitious, authentic, bringing agency, activism and allyship. They're building systems and processes around these principles and they're setting guardrails and they're giving people the tools to put it all into practice and have fun while they do it. Unlock the power of people to create real impact. This isn't just about empowering teams to find their thing and bring their passion. It's about doing that with your customers too. And in many ways, that's the most powerful platform for advocacy that you have. It's about changing the conversation, shaping culture and inspiring people to take action. Never underestimate the power of proper governance. The Natura & Co approach to advocacy is credible because it's backed up by the governance that puts purpose at the heart of every decision. It's hardwired into the company bylaws, integrated into corporate reporting, and an essential part of how the board operates. 
And it's also soft-wired into their culture. And both of those things are fundamental. If you'd like more practical advice on building a purpose-driven business with brilliant insights from people like Shah, download our Insider's Guide to Purpose at givenagency.com forward slash insider's guide.